Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, the vital conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History, is happening tonight, Thursday, November 29th. We've got the chair of Making Poverty History, Michael Barkman, in the studio to talk about what's expected tonight and how tackling the issue of poverty should be approached here in Winnipeg. Then we're going to learn about how you can light up a life this holiday season with the ALS Society of Manitoba's Light Up a Life campaign. We're going to hear from Diana Rasmussen, the executive director for the ALS Society, about the campaign and how you can get involved. And if you're looking for the perfect holiday gift, stay tuned to hear about light boxes, which are a collection of gifts that you can purchase that support social enterprises and community-minded entrepreneurs. We'll be speaking with Light's Executive Director, Tyler Pierce, to learn more about light boxes, as well as upcoming events where you can support light and social enterprises in our city. We've got all this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. Hello. Welcome to RC360. Nolan here, Robert over there. Thank you for tuning in today. How are you feeling today, Robert? I'm feeling good. It's, uh, you know, the last, our last show of November. Isn't that weird? We've only got three shows left in December before the the year-end specials, so... uh... I feel like growing up... All the adults in my life told me to enjoy my youth because pretty soon time would start flying by at an alarmingly fast rate. And I'm starting to recognize that they were not kidding. If know? our show uh, were a university student, it would be on the cusp of graduating. Yeah, we're on <laughs> four great years. Me- great metaphor. Well, you know, as they, as they chanted to uh, Barack Obama when he was campaigning four more years why not for river city 360 four more years yeah i guess 40 that's crazy to think about that we've been doing this for four years yeah it's fun to take a take a look back and sort of just remember what we've been doing what we've been up to for the past four years i mean we're going to be doing that in the at the end of december for our sort of year in review shows we have usually two episodes where we kind of revisit some of our favorite conversations throughout 2018 Uh, so i'm looking forward to that but on today's show, we have some great conversations that might even make it into that show because Absolutely. there's some really good chats. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you did when you visited Light uh, earlier this week. So as part of uh, the Winnipeg Foundation's Employee Charitable Contribution Committee, um, several of us at the foundation went over to Light, which is Local Investment Toward Employment. And uh, Light has a really cool initiative. We'll uh, feature it later in the show called Light Boxes. And uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, they're, uh, they're holiday gift boxes that feature a variety of different, some very cool gifts um, from social enterprises and uh, local entrepreneurs in our city. So uh, we were helping to pack, uh, I think there's 200 boxes of, that'll be available, and uh, we packed 50 of them. Nice. Um, and then got a tour of the Social Enterprise Center and uh, cool. you know, got to check out what was there. And, uh, and yeah, had a great chat with Tyler Pierce, who's the executive director there, about uh, some of the events that are coming up. Light has a couple of events that are happening this weekend, so uh, we'll learn all about those. Looking forward to hearing that conversation as well as our other talks. We've, uh, we've got Michael Barkman coming into the studio to talk all about tonight's event, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. But uh, before Michael sits down to have a chat about that and about making poverty history in general, let's uh, play a little song for the people. What have we got today, Robert? We're going to start things off with Bill Withers and Lean On Me right here on River City 360. Lean on me 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you today, and I'm now sitting down with Michael Barkman. He's the chair of Make Poverty History Manitoba and, uh, yeah, friend of the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. So we're going to be talking a little bit about the Making Poverty History, um, Winnipeg in 2030, vital conversation that's happening tonight. But before we get into that, just maybe give me a little rundown about what Making Poverty Hist- or Make Poverty History is and, and what the mandate is for the organization. So Make Poverty History Manitoba, it's, we're a coalition of groups and individuals uh, about 12 or 13 years old in the city. Uh, so it's uh, from across the city, uh, business, indigenous organizations, faith groups, uh, policy organizations, uh, food banks, etc., cetera, uh, and coming together to, to focus on uh, a Manitoba and a Winnipeg without poverty. Uh, and we do that through policy change. Uh, so we're really focused at a systems change level. So many of our organizations are working on the front lines every day of people who are living in poverty or experiencing poverty. Uh, but what we're really focused on is, is systems change at a policy uh, level. So the groups that are sort of advocating for this are obviously the ground, the sort of ground level roots or grassroots organizations. How is there a disconnect between the grassroots and, and the policy makers? And how do you kind of bridge that gap? Um, yeah, I think that's something that we're always trying to do. So as, as groups who are kind of on the front lines and also a ton of, a ton of individual members, many of whom uh, have lived experience with poverty, uh, that's sort of something that we're always trying to bring uh, into our work, especially our work with uh, government is to show this is what the community is calling for and we have are so uh, embedded in t- across the community across the city and around the province uh, and that's something that we're always trying to do is to bring that grassroots movement that grassroots uh, vision and hope for the future uh, up to the policymaker level to try and uh, influence uh, and impact the change that we want to see how since the organization kind of got started 12 or 13 years ago compared to now has the um, conversation shifted or how has how has things changed in the last decade or so when it comes to this mission yeah i think uh, so something that's been a constant throughout our work uh, is always trying to uh, illuminate to the general public and especially to uh, folks in government, whether that's provincial or municipal, about how deep uh, the sort of problem and issues of poverty are in our city, how much that impacts people's daily lives, uh, how it's not just sort of the stereotype that we might think about of someone living in poverty. We know uh, slightly more women live in poverty. Uh, it impacts uh, Indigenous people. We know uh, in a much deeper way newcomers, LGBTQ people. Uh, it's not just centered in the middle of the city, but it's there's deep pockets of poverty around the entire uh, city and in other parts of the province, of course. Uh, so we're trying to illuminate that it's complex issue, uh, that it's uh, that it's deep and, and multifaceted, uh, and that it's also something that, uh, that doesn't uh, require a, a Band-Aid solution, but we need some deep uh, systems change work. Um, and yeah, so part of our, our constant work has always been that public education about uh, what it looks like in our in our city and in our province uh, and how we can change it and and importantly that it's uh, never the fault of, of those living in poverty but it's actually that our system is, is set up so that there is people living in poverty and those who aren't and that's something that we envision doesn't have to exist and the system doesn't just create this this dichotomy but it also holds down da- actively holds down people like it's expensive to be poor I've always thought that it's it's it costs you money to be to not have money, you know, it's a weird system that we have set up. So, like, how? What? What? What are some of the more recent um, activities and initiatives that you guys have done to try to to try to close that gap? Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the, on the first part there, totally was a, kind of a report that was written that talks about it takes all day to be poor. It's so it's a full time job to try and access that. 
Uh, absolutely, and it also costs our, our system quite a bit, sort of, when we don't proactively think about uh, meaningful, healthy lives for everybody, it means that we're spending more on, on health, on justice, on the child and family services system, et cetera. So it actually can potentially cost our, our governments more, uh, which is another way to think about it. This conversation and, and others like it are going to be happening tonight at the uh, Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. Um, can you tell us a little bit about who's going to be talking? We have we have a keynote speaker as well, and just kind of what you hope the night is going to encompass. Totally. I can do that, and I can also answer what uh, what you asked before, which I put together our, some of our recent work. So, yeah, very, very excited for tonight's uh, event and, and really thankful for our, our partnership with the Winnipeg Foundation to put uh, the vital conversation on tonight. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, it's going to be talking a little bit about... Uh, some of our, our recent work in Winnipeg. Uh, in the spring, we launched a campaign called Winnipeg Without Poverty. Uh, so a lot of our work in the past has focused on the province. Uh, we had a successful campaign around rate increasing rent assist rates. We talk a lot about uh, employment and income assistance and a comprehensive poverty reduction plan for the province. Uh, but we've been focused in recent months as well on a comprehensive poverty plan for the city of Winnipeg and particularly calling on our municipal leaders, especially the mayor, to be a leader in poverty reduction. Uh, and we've seen successful examples, uh, for example, in, in Edmonton, of really amazing work there where the mayor leads to be a champion for poverty reduction uh, and creating a municipal plan by bringing important leaders together and people with lived experience to create a plan uh, with targets and timelines. We can't end or reduce poverty if we don't know how and when we're going to get there. Uh, so that's sort of the, the recent work that we've done. We had a really successful campaign, a, a grassroots campaign during the municipal election to bring this issue to light, uh, to call for all people running for mayor and city council to support a plan, uh, and including many of the, the recommendations that the community put forward, uh, which was around, around 50 of them in our report, Winnipeg Without Poverty. Uh, so tonight's event uh, is, is going to be really exciting to have this this truly vital conversation uh, that will both talk about where successful cities have been like Edmonton. So we'll hear a little bit about that, uh, how that model has worked really well and learn those lessons. And then also talk about, uh, hear from three uh, leaders in the anti-poverty movement here in Winnipeg about that, that work uh, and what we can do in our city. So I think it's going to be both a really real and, and raw conversation about what poverty looks like and hearing from some of those panelists, uh, but also hopeful to see that there's a lot of potential for a municipal plan, which is what our community is calling for. Uh, and that's a really exciting conversation that we're going to have. It's such a big issue. Poverty is so multifaceted and there's so many different elements and angles that you could attack it from. How do you stay uh, optimistic? How do you stay hopeful? Yeah, well, I think... Uh, for myself, there's so much uh, of our work is grounded in, in hearing and, and supporting and, and being led by people with lived experience. Uh, and that's something that day to day is the stories and, and work that I hear from. Uh, so I think that's something sort of a reality and a privilege check for myself all the time. Um, but I think what's really, really meaningful about our work and something that I think some people tend to forget about is that uh, we sort of operate at that, that systems change level, which can feel really big and far away. Um, but the way that I try and work all the time is to bring 
those sort of policy ideas down to a really accessible and, and easy to understand way. And the reason that we need those things is, is that uh, we don't want to see Band-Aid solutions. We also know that poverty uh, is something that doesn't have to exist. It's a choice that our, our society and our systems have set up. It's big to sort of unravel. Uh, but I think if we're not focused on that, we're going to see these continual uh, issues happen. And I think collectively, if we can talk about that we can end that, I think that gives me a lot of hope uh, in our, uh, our collective vision. Very well said. I think, yeah, it just seems to come down to connecting those big sort of faceless policy decisions to the humanity that poverty is dealing with every single day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, again, that's been the most impactful for me is, is hearing some of those stories. Uh, and that's, again, a, like we were talking about at the beginning about bringing some of that grassroots uh, work to the decision makers and to the general public. So that's something definitely we're always trying to do. Um, yeah, but the, the faces and the stories, uh, we also have a ton of research and numbers to back that up. We know that around 107,000 Winnipeggers uh, are living in poverty. Uh, but to me, I mean, even if you had one, that's that's too many. Uh, and we also know in a, in a city and a province and a country as, as wealthy and as, as rich in so many ways as ours, poverty shouldn't be a, a continual problem. Uh, it's, a money, it's a matter of how our, our resources are allocated uh, and how our, our policies are set up. Um, and so we really believe in the power of, of, of plans, of comprehensive work to end poverty, and a visioning to do that from all levels of government. Absolutely. Well, we'll continue this conversation tonight at the Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. Uh, Michael Barkman, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we really appreciate your time and uh, enjoy the evening tonight. Thanks so much for, uh, for having me and looking forward to seeing folks tonight. Thanks, Nolan. Now, tonight's Vital Conversation is actually at capacity, so it's sold out. However, if you'd still like to see the panel discussion, you can watch the live stream by visiting the Winnipeg Foundation's Facebook page at 7 p.m. tonight. The address to that is facebook.com slash WPGFDN. Again, that's facebook.com slash WPGFDN, and we'll repeat that address at the end of the show. Coming up next, we're going to learn about Light Up a Life, which is a campaign from the ALS Society of Manitoba, where you can be part of a beautiful holiday event, lighting up part of, or an entire tree, in support of the ALS Society of Manitoba. Before we get to that, though, here is Mantovani with You Light Up My Life, right here on River City 360.
Thank you for listening to River City 360. I'm Sunny Permolo, and with me in the studio today is Diana Rasmussen, Executive Director of ALS Society of Manitoba. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So you have the Light Up a Life campaign. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Certainly. The Light Up a Life campaign is a program of the ALS Society which does exactly what it says. It lights up the life of those that live at the Brummett Feesby ALS house and also into the community of those people who are living with ALS or motor neuron diseases. It is a program where we have 12 trees that are donated by a company uh, which has been very good to us, uh, A.J. Lacoste. Mm. It's a garden center, and they donate every year 12 trees, one for every month of the year. And uh, then we sell bulbs to light the trees. And for uh, as many years as I can remember that we've been running the program, the whole lot in front of the Bromit Feesby ALS house has just been alive with lights and uh, it's about um, giving back to the community to light up the lives of those that we have lost in the past, those that are living with ALS and those that may come in the future. $35 buys 15 bulbs, $50 buys 25 bulbs, $100 buys 75 bulbs and $150 buys lights for the whole tree. Oh, wow. And uh, funds raised support the Brummett Feesby ALS House programs. And in part, that's everything in the house. It, it goes from the house itself to maintain it, to recreation programs, to quality of life events that will help people live their lives out with this unfortunate and cruel mm-hmm. disease. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Brummett Feesby ALS House? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like what kind of services does it offer? Uh, Brummett Feesby ALS House is um, a home with care and support. It is not a personal care home. It's not a hospice. It is a home. It's nestled in the neighborhood of Sturgeon Creek, uh, right on the creek. And that's exactly what it's meant to be. It's meant to be a transition from a person's home into a home-like setting. So the meals are cooked there. There's 24-hour care, um, specialized treatments um, where they can still get their medications. And if there were special meals that needed to be presented for a client over and above a regular day-to-day meal, all of those kinds of things can be accommodated. We do housekeeping and laundry recreation activities, arrange for appointments, just as if you were living in your own home. Mm -hmm. It's an extension of that. And ongoing assessments and intervention uh, are there. And we do care plans for uh, that meet uh, all individuals, and they're designed to do that. And there are nurses there. There are professional staff and non-professional staff. And there are two people on all shifts at all times, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. People bring all their own stuff with them. They dress their rooms up so that it's just like home. And awesome. that's, that's the main thing. It's, and it's really about quality of life. Absolutely. With the whole Light Up a Life campaign, Mm -hmm. you'll be providing people with the opportunity to feel like they're in that whole festive moment, just having all the trees lit up right in front of there. That's very true, and it really does look lovely. Um, but I, the trees don't just go up by themselves. So mm-hmm. um, we, what we do is um, on the 10th of December, 
um, we've invited uh, students from Vincent Massey uh, who have come to us previously with their, the teachers from the school and they help us put the trees up oh, and nice. get the lights on. Um, Lacoste provide the trees, the pots and the sand and then there is this uh, big expedition to get all of these trees up and standing and and uh, watered and frozen and uh, hopefully it freezes because otherwise we don't want the trees falling <laughs> down. So, uh, But uh, usually everything works out and uh, then once the trees are all up, we invite the students into the house. They meet the residents that are in our house and they, we have lunch with them nice. and say thank you to them very much. And they're part of that whole event which is really important and then on the 12th in the evening we have the lighting ceremony Mm -hmm. so we invite dignitaries and we're just getting our list organized of all the dignitaries that will come families friends uh, and then we have an evening we have a little program that runs and then we go outside and we light the lights and the neighborhood lights up sounds great so again that is going to be held on the 12th at 7 p.m that is correct 106 kirby drive yeah so again this campaign actually starts december 1st and it goes until when it goes until January 31st, mm-hmm. and uh, people can um, call the ALS Society at 204-831-1510 and press extension 20, or just simply leave a message, or go to our website at uh, www.alsmb.ca, but we're happy to talk to people, and we're happy to welcome them to come out on the 12th of December, um, but yes, we really want to light those lights and light up a life for people living with ALS and motor neuron diseases. What are the different ways that people can help the ALS Society of Manitoba? Well, there there are so many ways that people can help us. Um, one thing that I think that sometimes people don't recognize is that we use a lot of equipment. We have a big equipment program. We loan all of our equipment out free of charge. Um, but sometimes we find that people call us and say, do you take a wheelchair? I have a wheelchair of my mother's. Um, she no longer can use it or a walker. As long as it's in good condition, we're happy to take equipment. Um, but it must be in a relatively good condition. Um, but we do need equipment all the time. And it varies in different ways. So somebody can't bring equipment to us, uh, but they want to help us, then they can make a donation. And again, they can call the office at 831 Uh, or or they can go online uh, as well and make a donation. Um, But not only that, um, we have many other programs. So uh, we have counseling, we have uh, client services, and we go all over the province. So as you can imagine, we either drive there or we sometimes have to fly in. And we also have a children's program where we try to help children go to camp or go to a program. We have different forms of equipment where it's a special breathing bag program where we buy these bags uh, to help somebody exercise their lungs. Um, we also have a tube feeding bag program where somebody needs to get formula into themselves and they need the required tube feeding bags. Sometimes people don't have those resources, so we try to help them out and we help people out with wheelchairs and walkers and all the other kinds of things but we have many programs um, as well as support groups for people and they can call anytime we do a lot of one-on-one counseling a lot of 
small group counseling and as uh, family counseling as well. Mm, tons of great initiatives. Lots of things going on, <laughs> yes. Awesome. So again, thank you very much for coming and joining me today on River City 360, Diana. Is there anything you would like to add before we let you go today? Well, I'd just like to wish our listeners a, a very happy holiday season, but I do hope that they will be able to come out and join us on the 12th at Bromit Fisby ALS House. It's a very unique and wonderful place. We're happy to give people a tour and it's 106 Kirby Drive or if you just can't get out but you'd like to support us we're a very small not-for-profit organization and we do rely heavily on donations we run other programs during the year and uh, after Light Up a Life our next program will be uh, looking at our Cornflower Ball which is in April and then in June we start into our big walk so but in the meantime our most important thing is we look at quality of life and help people living with ALS. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Annie. Coming up next, Robert had a nice little visit with uh, Local Investment Toward Employment, which is stands for LITE, L-I-T-E, this week, to pay a little visit and to help putting together their light boxes. Light boxes, of course, are a collection of gifts that you can purchase that support local enterprises, local social enterprises, and community-minded entrepreneurs. So before we get to that, though, let's play a little song. How about I'm Beginning to See the Light by Bert Kampfert, right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Robert Zirk here with you on location at Light, and I'm speaking with Tyler Pierce. She's the executive director of Light. Tyler, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you. So first of all, introduce Light to our listeners. Tell us a little bit about what Light does. Sure. So Light stands for Local Investment Toward Employment, and we create jobs. We create jobs for people who are really stuck outside of the labor market. And by creating jobs, we get them slowly involved in the labor market. And that to us is a big, important strategy to solve poverty. That's so important. And it's it's interesting because social enterprise is sort of a different it's not exactly philanthropy, although it's kind of related in, in many ways because it does have that sort of social benefit and creating opportunities for people who may face a variety of barriers, as you said. Yeah, so Light supported social enterprises for a really long time. And social enterprises, for people that might not know, are businesses that have a community benefit and primarily a community benefit. So in Winnipeg, we have a lot of social enterprises that are interested in getting people into the labor market. Sometimes they're called... Uh, work integration, social enterprises, or WISE. Um, that's more policy talk than is maybe necessary. But basically, social enterprises are a new way to think about how can we do charity. Um, so instead of just giving money, you can po- buy something that you're buying anyway. And by doing that, you're supporting people who might really be stuck outside the labor market and need extra support to be able to get to work every day and, and really flourish in a workplace. It's, it's sort of the difference between giving a handout and giving a hand up. It really is. And it's funny that you, that you use that phrase because for a long, long time, that has been Light's catchphrase. We want to give a hand up to people into the labor market. For about 20 years, we've been doing that in two ways. We raise money to give out grants um, that are creating jobs out at community organizations. But we also raise money to make purchases. And those purchases are uh, about also creating jobs and economic opportunity. Um, many of the purchases will also be supporting small, very local businesses in Winnipeg's inner city. And that's all about making sure we're really helping the economy in this very impoverished area of our city be able to start to grow. We had the chance to go on a little tour of the building where Light is located and a lot of other different social enterprises and and local businesses. Um, It's a very unique space. Tell us a little bit about this building where we are. Sure. Well, the building is just north of Main and Higgins on the other side of the tracks. It's set back from Main Street, so almost no one sees it. But inside, there are 16 organizations. The majority of them have something to do with social enterprise. And there's probably... I would guess 200 people coming in and out of this building every day. The majority of them are people with barriers who are coming to work probably the first time in their lives. And they're really working on changing their lives and getting, you know, embedded in the labor market so that it becomes a part of their existence and about supporting their family. So it's it's a really incredible place. Um, you'd never know it from the outside because it's a three-story, very old building. Um, it's 30,000 square feet, just to give you a sense of how big this building is. But inside, it's, you know, these 16 organizations all really working with the community community changing lives. What can you tell us about some of the organizations that are here? Because with those 16 organizations, there's a lot of cross collaboration. There's a lot of working together. Yeah. So the buildings are actually owned by two of the social enterprises. One is Build Inc., who's been around for a long time. And the other is Manitoba Green Retrofit, now now known as Purpose Construction. So those are two of Manitoba's largest social enterprises. They employ 
two to 300 people probably every year. And they're all about getting people who have barriers and barriers that are quite, you know, quite large, things like criminal records, no, um, no high school diploma, um, kids who are stuck in care. And it's really about getting them to work, getting them to have some skills. And so they, by owning the building, brought together people who might not otherwise think they have something in common. And so even though, for example, light, as I said earlier, we do support lots of little small social enterprises. They're so small that they you can hardly sort of see them on the map of social enterprises. And so being more in contact with these larger ones is really helpful because I might be able to help one of the 16 social enterprises that I work with a year, uh, every year to solve a problem that they might have. Or by being in this building, I might, you know, have more contact with some of the trends that these social enterprises are experiencing. I might hear about the successes they're having, which, ha- you know, can give us some ideas about where should we go, how should we grow. Um, so social enterprises as a movement is still fairly new. I mean, many social enterprises, you could name any thrift store that's been around you know for 30 years that's kind of a social enterprise um but as a larger movement uh, as a larger movement to say all kinds of businesses can be structured and have the purpose of benefiting a community exclusively that re- movement is is still quite young and so by being in the space together we're all learning together by being in the space together you know the one organization might only have one finance person well that person's kind of lonely and if they're trying to solve a problem which problems come up in in every job you have they might be able to just walk down the hall and find another finance person whereas if they were in a single building they wouldn't have that opportunity and especially i mean winnipeg is a pretty spread out city right so there would be otherwise 16 organizations kind of all over the place that may not really get that chance to to meet and have those quick questions or those spontaneous interactions where they can see what each other's doing. Yeah, so coming together is actually something that's really important if the social enterprise sector is going to continue to grow and flourish as it has been. Um, One of the projects that Light does actually is called Bisocial, and it's actually bringing social enterprises together. We had coffee at Fools and Horses a couple weeks ago, and really the purpose was just to make sure we're talking to each other because social enterprises are they're intent they're just like small businesses in many ways and so they're they're often dealing with things like you know price supply workers all the any problem that a business regular business um has they have and so it's really nice to actually talk to people who are in very similar circumstances but in this building we experience that we get to experience it every day which is really nice what would you say is your favorite thing about working with light? What's one thing that stands out to you in your work? Wow, that's a huge question because I love so much about this organization. You know, I, we, we are a partner-based organization. So there's about 16 to 20 community-based organizations we work with. And every time I pick up the phone and I say, I call someone up and I say, we have this idea, we're thinking about doing this, what do you think? Um, the reception has always just been so amazing. And even though we were only able to give about very tiny little grants the people who are receiving those grants and then receiving the wages from them are so excited about them they see so much value in them because the opportunities 
for you know wage-based programming in very impoverished places in Winnipeg is very it's very hard to come by um, and people who are working at the small community organizations we're supporting they know that really what people need is a way to make income and so that's what we're delivering and then we're also bec- with that partnership delivering the ability for that person to move on and and, and start working part-time right um, so I think that's probably what I love the most is that we're this partnership-based organization and people will show up for us and we'll show up for them and and there's this understanding across all these organizations that of what community economic development is and we all might do things a little different because of who we're serving or why we're doing it but our parts all kind of work together and it's that's pretty fabulous that's excellent We're speaking with Tyler Pierce from Light Local Investment Toward Employment. And when we come back, we'll talk about the very interesting initiative uh, that Light has on for the holiday season called the Lightbox and a couple of community events that are coming up. You're listening to River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. We're now rejoined by Dr. Tyler Pierce. She's the executive director of Light. And we have been speaking about Light's work in social enterprise. And so the reason that the Winnipeg Foundation's been here this morning is to help out with a new Light initiative called the Light Box. Tell us a little bit about the idea behind the Light Box and give us kind of an overview of, of what it is. The light box is what it sounds like. It's a box. And inside the box are eight gifts that are made by social enterprises or other community-based, local to the North End and the inner city businesses. But it's about helping them grow. It's about helping them reach maybe a market they haven't gone after. Maybe it's about helping them produce more of something than they ever have. So, and I'll tell you about one in here is a beautiful ornament and it's by a very established business in Winnipeg's North End called Creations. They have paintings, mucklucks, star blankets, beautiful things. When I picked up the delivery yesterday from them, they said, you know, this was a real learning experience for us. We've never produced 200 of one thing ever before. And those are all hand-painted, 200 hand-painted ornaments. Wow. And they're absolutely gorgeous. Like, they are so beautiful. And they just have a, do they just have a really specialness to them? Like, because the bird is also so delicate, yet it's on a gold, flashy kind of ball. It's absolutely beautiful. But what they said to me and is they, they were so excited, A, when we made the order, but the experience of delivering the order for them was something that helped them as a business grow. And that helped grow their confidence. So now they know they can go to some other person that might be purchasing and say, we could deliver, you know, 200 of this to you and, and kind of do some more market development there, which is really exciting. So we have one of these light boxes in front of us right now. And so the first thing that we're noticing here, and I, it's <laughs> pretty hard to miss, is this beautiful multicolor felt that's sort of protecting everything inside. Tell us a little bit about this. This felt is from a mattress that's been recycled next door at Mother Earth Recycling. 
It is a post-post-consumer fabric. So it is actually, it's gray for the most part, but there's all kinds of threads. And that's because this is originally made from recycled cloth. And at Mother Earth Recycling, they recycle mattresses. So they completely take apart every mattress that they get. Everything's heat treated and every component they are aiming to recycle. And so when we were putting our box together, we were looking for something to make sure the other items, which are breakable, are we're gonna stay safe, especially through the mail. We thought of her fabric. Lo and behold, we went over to look at the fabric because we didn't really look at the fabric before and we were, we were struck by how beautiful it was. If you get something like this, you know, you remember those, those items and you think, okay, what else do they have? Yeah, and also I should say that included in the box is a big brochure that will tell you about the people that made the box. So we also have cookies that were made by youth from Spence Neighborhood Association. We have a mug that was actually produced by Light and that really is a fundraising piece for us. So for every box sold, there's $2 goes for our mug, which is helpful to make sure this project can continue. And then we have two beautiful jars, one of honey made by Bee Project, which is a local company. It's a family-owned company, but we included them in our box because they are very community-minded. So they're constantly out with schools and at organizations and other businesses telling them about bees and urban pollinators and, and how we should and can care for our pollinators. So we thought, wow, this really fits because this is a different model of doing business. This is combining education as one of your main purposes and environmentalism as your main purpose of your business. And then the byproduct are these, this wonderful, wonderful honey. And then uh, Lena Friesen, also known sometimes affectionately as the Blueberry Lady, she was a pioneer of Indigenous-owned businesses. She started probably 30 years ago. We know that she's a leader in thinking about doing business differently, obviously informed by her background uh, as a First Nations woman, but also connecting the dots between people who are picking the blueberries. So all the blueberries are from like a larger family network who are in northern Manitoba and bringing them and making this amazing, delicious product for people in Winnipeg. That's very cool. So, wow, lots of fantastic items that are all rolled into one and that all have a really great purpose and a really great story behind them. If any of our listeners want to purchase a light box for themselves, uh, how can they go about doing that? You can go to Light's website to find the link to the site to buy it. So Light's website is L-I-T-E, light.mb.ca, or you can go to shop.light.mb.ca to get directly to our site. Um, The box is retail for $75. Everything in here, if you were to buy it individually, is around $100. So it's actually, you're getting a discount by uh, buying the box. And, you know, what we've heard from people who have bought the box, some people are getting getting fabulous gifts this year. They're getting a whole box. And some people are going to open the box and enjoy the cookies, which I totally support, and then re-gift some of the items, which is kind of a nice way to go about it as well. 
So Light has a couple of, uh, of special events coming up. The first one being tomorrow, a breakfast that's happening in the morning. Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Well, the Wild Blueberry Pancake Breakfast is now in its 22nd year. And it was basically invented by our larger community. And the way it runs is we hire local caterers. So local community-based organizations are making all the food. And by doing that, we're supporting about 50 jobs for that day. We expect around six to 800 people. This year, there's going to be a real focus on jigging, and we're going to ask people to jig for jobs. And so every time we raise $20, we're going to get the master of the jig. His name's Ryan. He's going to dance for five seconds. So it's a lights major fundraiser, and that starts at 7 a.m. and runs to 10 a.m. tomorrow at 181 Austin Street North. It's $20, $5 if you're low income. And um, yeah, you should come out, check it out. And then the following day, this Saturday, or perhaps later today, if you're listening to the rebroadcast on Saturday morning, but there's a holiday market that Light is coordinating. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, it's called Light's Buy Social Holiday Market. It's in its second year and we have over 30 vendors coming. So we have people who are more established and then we have people who are very new and we want to bring them all together. We also have two groups who are coming because there's a kitchen, there's a full kitchen at the facility down the street at 181 Austin. And um, they're coming in, they're doing a little pop-up restaurant. So the Indigenous Women Healing Center, who we work with quite a lot, as well as Marymount's Youth Employment Project. They're both coming. They're going to offer hot, warm meals all day. So you can come. You can come to a maker station that's presented by CBC Manitoba. And we're also hoping, and if you're you're one of these people that likes to strum their guitar and knows a few songs, we're going to have an area on the stage where you can come and just do a little jam with people. So you're welcome to come and hang out all day and do all your shopping. We're opening at 10 a.m. and we're going all the way to 3. It is free. We're doing a suggested donation of 2 to $5 to light, and that will help us just cover our costs for the day. Fantastic. Anything else you'd like to mention before we go? Well, I did have to make a shout out to the Winnipeg Foundation. We didn't talk about this earlier, but the light box project would not have been possible without a sponsorship from the winnipeg foundation and i'm so grateful for it it just gave us enough to just get started and it was it's the only thing that would have gotten us started so i just want to say thank you very much i also want to say thank you to winnipeg foundation staff who came out this morning and packed 50 of the light boxes so i just want to say thank you thank you thank you this box and light and so many social enterprises are also powered by volunteers and I just want to say I'm making a heart sign you can't see it on the radio but that's what I'm doing and thank you so much Tyler thank you so much for speaking with me today about light and the light box and all the uh, wonderful upcoming events thank you so much Thanks, Robert, and thanks again to Tyler Pierce for the tour and for uh, taking us into light and allowing us to be a part of the light boxes uh, this year. That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us as well. If you'd like to hear more River City 360, listen to any of our past episodes, or subscribe to the podcast, you can do that online at rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with CJNU 93.7 FM. 
And of course, we love to hear your feedback about the show. If you'd like to request a song, suggest a topic for a future show, or just say hi, tell us how we're doing, give us a call on our listener line. It's open 24-7. The number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, the number to call, 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can also find out more about the show by searching for the Winnipeg Foundation on Twitter and Facebook by searching at WPGFDN on Twitter and Facebook.com slash WPGFDN as well. And if you're hoping to participate in tonight's Making Poverty History Vital Conversation, you can visit the Winnipeg Foundation's Facebook page at 7 p.m. tonight by going to Facebook.com slash WPGFDN. I'm Nolan Bicknell signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you.